Hello, everyone. I'm Joseph Long, and this is episode nine of This is the Long Version. Stories and musings about 21st century parenting, education, and organizing the creative process. Good morning, world. I believe it's a Tuesday morning-ish somewhere in there. I'm on my second cup of coffee, and in preemptive answer to your question, yes, I did use ice cream as creamer. It seemed like the thing to do. I also helped myself to a couple handfuls of cashews, courtesy of a Costco-sized container of them, which is now under $15 there. I don't know why I'm telling you this, except for the fact that I like Costco. And sometimes they're $18 for a container of cashews. So right now they're under 15 bucks. That's pretty great savings. And another really cool thing is, is Costco has been one of the forerunners in requiring masks to be worn inside their stores. I know there's some viral videos and stuff of employees confronting customers who haven't, etc. I am a Costco fan, have been for a long time. I continue to be one because of their proactive response in this corner um, regarding pandemic protocols. So as I'm talking to you, I'm having a notification for Christopher Nolan's next new film, Tenet pop-up, I have already been invited to see it. Does that sound like I'm bragging? Does that sound mysterious? Well, it's true. I have been invited by my brother, Johnny. He asked if he could see it with me for my birthday. Now, there's a lot of things that may change between now and then, and I know, I know, some of you may not be remembering when my birthday is. It's in September. So have a little bit of time to go, but as far as 15 things that I am excited for in the remainder of 2020, Christopher Nolan's new film would definitely be up there. Now, some of you are also wondering if I'm ever going to get to the point and talk about what I will be talking about this episode. And what I have to say is I am talking about what I will be talking about right now. I did, on a Saturday night, recently watch the movie Crawl. What is Crawl about? Well, it's a story that takes place in a hurricane in Florida about a daughter rescuing her father from a basement where he got stuck and a whole bunch of giant alligators are after them. Was it good in an ironic way? My answer to that is no. It was not good in in an ironic way. It was just flat out good. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Now, there's a lot of stuff going on in the universe right now, and just as a reminder, before we talk about some of our challenges and problems on Earth, let's just have a quick little refresher on galaxies and what galaxies are. Yes, I'm jumping right into just a little tidbit of science. Galaxies, which of course you know, are massive groupings of stars and gas and dust. Our sun is in the Milky Way galaxy, which which measures approximately 100,000 light years across. That is a long trek. It would take you longer to cross that in a spaceship than it would to cross the Trans-Siberian rail line on a train, which is also something that I would really like to do someday, and I think it's about a week to go across. Anyway... Our spiral galaxy, I'll get to what a spiral galaxy is in just a moment, but our spiral galaxy is made up of several billion stars, which is sobering. Would you like something even more sobering? The Milky Way is just one galaxy that has hundreds of billions of stars. Again, we are one galaxy. And 
there are at least a few hundred million galaxies in the universe, each with hundreds of billions of stars. Think on that. Think the world still revolves around you and your problems. You are tiny. So am I. Doesn't mean your problems are not important. Doesn't mean mine are not important. It just means that there is a tiny bit of perspective about where we are in the universe. There's three basic kinds of galaxies. There's the spiral galaxy. That's us. Galaxy, galaxies that have spiral arms coming out from the center. Our solar system is on one of the spiral arms of the Milky Way. It's a good thing we're on an arm and not the center. What's in the center, you might be wondering? A big black hole. There's a second type of galaxy, an elliptical galaxy. I don't really feel like talking about them. They're, they're shaped like an ellipse or a big egg. And then there's an irregular galaxy. And this is the kind of classification that I really enjoy because there's three categories of galaxy, spiral, elliptical, and irregular. So they basically identify the first two, what they are, spiral and elliptical. And then the third one, they say, well, that's pretty much everything else. So if it's not a spiral galaxy or an elliptical galaxy, then it's an irregular galaxy. So the important thing to remember, aside from the fact that there's three types of galaxies, is that we are one galaxy of many, 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 many. In my notes, I just copied and pasted uh, probably about 250 minis. I'm not going to read all of them, but again, we are one galaxy of many, many, many. Now, back to Earth and some of the challenges that we face here. One of the challenges that we have faced as a parent is the whole idea of empathy. Our family places a great deal of importance on the idea of empathy, and empathy, to my understanding, is literally about understanding, about trying to understand how somebody else might view things, what somebody else's point of view might be, putting yourself into their shoes, that whole walking a mile in somebody else's shoes idea. Empathy is should be, I think, a part of every individual's and every family's root system. It gives a way, it gives an opportunity to say, always remember to try to look at anything you may not understand from another perspective as, as well. It's not only good for your heart, it's good for your brain. That being said, I've seen a lot of things recently that are calling for greater kindness, more empathy, more understanding more unity. <laughs> and I do feel that this is a perversion of the idea of empathy to begin with. My problem with these is that they are very supportive of the status quo. I want to be somebody who looks for the good, who finds the highlights in every day, who acknowledges the opportunity we have every single day to not only do good, but to find good, and to remember good, to identify good. I think that is important. I think it is equally important to not just coast along on what is good, to think that, well, if we smile at a stranger as we're walking by, then that can make us feel better about uh, not standing in solidarity for necessary changes to combat institutional racism. 
there is a lot of stuff going on right now. We're dealing with not only a pandemic, but also systemic racial issues and protests. Uh, President 45 likes to refer to them as riots, um, which, yes, have been an unfortunate and sad part of certain protests. But again, what is what is the focus going to be on? So coming back to this whole idea of empathy on a very personal level, I, I don't extend, it, it's very difficult for me to show a whole lot of empathy toward uh, the idea of mask wearing, for example. I wear a mask. I'm not saying anything new here. In, I'm not saying anything that has not been said by many health experts and people far more studied than I am in these areas. I wear a mask not simply to protect myself, not simply to protect my family, but to protect others when I'm out. To me, that's a fairly basic concept. So for me to show empathy toward people who choose to not wear a mask, to me that is a perversion of the idea of empathy. From a relational and an intellectual standpoint, then it may be valuable to try to understand where somebody who chooses to not wear a mask when they're out in public and not able to socially distance indoors at a grocery store, for example, it may be beneficial to try to understand from that standpoint. But from the standpoint of caring for others, of of really living that idea of empathy, of looking out for those around you, it's very difficult for me to understand or to even respect. We are being asked at this point in history to take a couple steps to protect ourselves and to protect those around us, to protect our families and strangers and anyone we might come in contact with, we are being asked to take a couple measures. They're not fun. I don't particularly enjoy wearing a mask. It's given me even more respect for the doctors and nurses and dentists and dental hygienists and the thousands and thousands of people who have gone to work for many decades and understood the role of infections and the importance of wearing a mask in order to prevent those things from going any further. That makes sense to me. So as a parent, I have also come to realize how much I appreciate when other families when other individuals keep a basic, similar level of common sense protocols. Sadly, when the government begins mandating certain measures, certain protocols, then they do become, importantly, they do become something that people are required to do. But there is also a difference between knowing that somebody is doing something because they're required to and somebody doing something because they feel the same sense of urgency and importance in doing so. So when I'm walking around Costco, for example, and everybody in there is wearing a mask because they're required first by store policy and second by state policy, and when I see these people, 
walking around, wearing a mask, but doing the absolute minimum. I'm referring to the, for example, pulled down below the nose sort of thing. That is somebody who is doing so with the greatest of resistance. And it's almost laughable. It's pathetic, but it's laughable. And I see this happening multiple times, this idea of this is so dumb. I, I see things on Facebook. I see these looks from other people. I read these ongoing... I guess one thing that I'm, I'm really just blown away by is the loud and aggressive nature of defending something that to me is so indefensible. And there are plenty of them out there. I, I, I can't prevent anybody from listening to this. Um, so I guess anybody who wants is, is welcome to do so. I hope that if you're listening to this, then you possess an intellect and enough curiosity um, that we don't have to be on the same page with everything. We don't have to agree on everything. But there are certain common sense ideas that we need to have a certain level of agreement on. If we're talking about science or physics, for example, then we need to have some sort of shared understanding or at least acknowledgement that gravity does exist. If we are talking about um, race, for example, then we need to have some shared belief or understanding uh, that race, for example, is not a biological determinant in um, intelligence, for example. There have to be certain shared assumptions, certain, certain principles or ideas that we can agree on. It doesn't mean swallowing the pill of conformity. I am very much an, an individual by nature, and I have long resisted um, institutions which require me to wholeheartedly accept uh, every one of that organization's tenets. I am not somebody who simply is told to do something and races to do it right away. Anyone who knows me knows that. Again, I am a very curious person. I ask a lot of questions. I don't simply accept, well, I'm doing this because it's what we're being told to do. I am a thoughtful person in, me, in many ways. Thoughtful, I hope, in the sense of being empathetic, but also thoughtful in the sense of reflecting and examining and thinking and observing and of collecting data and information and stories and information that's relevant. And in the past, when I say past, I mean uh, PT, pre-Trump, then we did at least have some, some shared ability to use words, to use ideas, to even share news sources and know that we might disagree, but know that simply because we disagreed, it would not get labeled as um, propaganda or fake news or just completely dismissed, even in light of overwhelming evidence. So something simple like face masks, if you had asked me a year ago if this would be any kind of issue during the middle of a pandemic, then it would have been difficult for me to imagine, despite having a rather vivid imagination. That, that would have been difficult for me to see being politicized to the degree it is now. To me, it is a common sense 
bar, whether it's required or not. What are, as, as Descartes might have questioned centuries ago, what are, what are the risks, what are the consequences, the rewards of taking option A over option B, if there is a heaven, if there is a hell? What are the consequences of believing or not believing? What are the consequences of wearing a mask or not wearing a mask? And to me, it means a lot to me to be able to be in environments, to be around people who don't simply tolerate the choices that we are making, who don't simply toe the line to the bare to the to the bare minimum possible who do so because they possess a wholehearted empathy for the lives of not just themselves not just their family but the lives of strangers the lives of those in their town and they don't feel a need to go on Facebook and showing uh, statistics of how this is just another common flu and an extremely low percentage of people actually die and da 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 all that. To me, it's a common sense bar where if we can agree to embrace this particular idea, let's, let's do this together. Let's do this in a unified way. This doesn't need to be a political thing, but right now, based on the information that we have, it makes the most sense, particularly after the June spike, it makes sense to be, A, socially distancing whenever possible, and when it's not, indoors in particular, wearing a mask. That makes sense to me. I don't understand everything about it. I don't understand where things, where life is going with this pandemic, but I am prepared or trying to prepare to live with this for an indefinite, indeterminate length of time. And in the meantime, I am not a mindless lemming who is following along. Again, anyone who knows me <laughs> knows the degree to which I think and sometimes overthink about things. At some point, no matter how cynical or jaded we are, at some point we have to trust or believe in something or someone. And I would like to have the hope and the belief that there is a point where we can respectfully question individual ideas or protocols or procedures about the way things are going without tying them in to such a personal degree that the influence of a particular leader, for example. I don't think this whole issue over masks ever needed to be an issue, and I do believe that a large degree of the skepticism mask deniers have about it comes straight down from the president. I am very curious in an alternate reality if, from the beginning, he had said, my country, my nation... This is one of the things that we are asking you to do. If he really envisioned himself as a wartime leader, which he flirted briefly with that notion of himself as a 
sort of FDR, Churchill-type figure leading the nation. And I think even he has realized the ridiculous nature of elevating himself to that (laughs) status. But if he had done so from the beginning and saying, these are some common sense steps we can take, I really am curious what sort of what what sort of decreased divide we would have on that simple idea of wearing masks. So how does empathy work into all this? I don't know. I just know that it's a challenging topic for us to be tackling with our kids. And the only other thing I'm going to talk about this episode, I, I think, is a short piece I, I wrote um, several years ago that includes my thoughts on empathy. I went to get the mail. We'd been gone for a length of time and the mail had stacked up. And as I sorted through, I remembered fondly the times in the past when I was excited about getting mail, when any mail I would get would be either a letter from a pen pal or friend or uh, a package from BMG Music or Columbia House Records. The mail I get these days generally is addressed to Mr. Joseph Long or something like that and typically involves reminding me that I need to pay a bill or letting me know that uh, I can get a sighting estimate done for, for free or stuff like that. So as I was going through this stack, then there was a package in there and I didn't recognize it, but I thought, you know what, I'm just going to get this out of the way because... I have no idea what this is, and I didn't recognize the return address on it, which was from some company, but it felt like there was something in there, and I don't think my impact in the world has been significant enough um, that anybody would be sending me something really dangerous intended to harm me through the mail. Um, so I went and opened it up, and it was a book. And this book, this hardcover book, is called Red Herring's and white elephants, the origins of the phrases we use every day. But there was no identifying information. It was obviously a well-read and well-loved book from the inside um, from the inside note in there that was obviously not to me, but there was nothing else in there to, ident- to identify where it had come from. And I was mystified, and my mystification spread out to Becca and then to our kids as we tried to determine where this had come from, why we had gotten this. And eventually we had to give up because, as I've noted in previous episodes, sometimes the best thing you can do is just give up. Well, in this case, this was very much the best thing to do because as I was going through the rest of the mail, then there was a letter in the post, and it was from somebody that I have not communicated with in quite some time, and she had sent our family a letter. And... In this letter, she said a number of very thoughtful things and very kind words about this podcast that she's been listening to as well, particularly referencing the areas regarding uh, Greek and Latin, and talking about her enjoyment of them and saying that there would be a book coming. Well, this is the book that I had just opened, Red Herrings and White Elephants. So the mystery suddenly became very clear, and it became a wonderful little surprise. And so our family has very much enjoyed this book. Thank you, Allison, for sending that, and 
just so you know, you should remember to check your mail as well. I wanted to share something that I wrote a while back. The title is 11 Things I Want My Students and All My Friends in the Whole Wide World to Remember Forever and Ever and Never Ever Forget Ever. And it's a list of 11 things, and anybody who knows me well knows that whenever I give a list of, say, five things, and it's it may or may not be five things. So when I say 11 things, it may or may not be 11. But these are things that I think transcend humanity. I don't know if that sounds arrogant to say that, but these are things that I have found will help to lead a more interesting life. Number one, the information is out there. You are the first generation in history to have almost total access to almost all of the world's collected information. But you still have to learn how to search smart, how to look for patterns, how to find meaning in that information and create structure out of what's in front of you. Number two, be curious. Ask why a lot. It's not disrespectful to ask questions about what you don't know or understand. Number three, criticism is good. Learn to give it. Learn to take it. Don't make it personal. Find something positive and also constructive. Avoid empty praise. Develop the skill of giving genuine, specific compliments that show you have respected the content and person you are evaluating. Number four, think carefully about the image. Uh, let me start over. Number four, think carefully about the image you choose to create and present to others online. It will be there forever, or at least until a global electromagnetic pulse wipes the slate clean for everyone and we're all using Etch Sketches again. Yeah, those were some cool computers that didn't have to be plugged in. Number five, be kind, develop empathy. Everybody has bad days. Everybody has a backstory you probably know nothing about. So be nice, and don't be afraid to ask how someone's doing, and then listen to them. Number six, make an opinion. Avoid vague statements or preferences like, I like to listen to pretty much everything, or I don't really like politics at all. Avoid using catch-all words such as everyone, no one, all the time, never. All is what it takes is one exception to make any of those words above false. And there is always, always an exception. Number seven, changing your mind is strength, not weakness. Don't hold on to untruths or fallacious arguments just to be stubborn. Be grateful that you are flexible, strong, and confident enough to change. Number eight, learn to love people for their eccentricities. Your life will become much better, and people will love you for the same reason. Or they should. And if they don't, too bad for them. Hang around more interesting people. Number nine. Creative constraints are your best friend. You don't need a million options for everything. Set parameters beforehand for every project. This way you can focus on the content and not get sidetracked with a million extraneous decisions along the way. Number ten. Be a producer, not just a consumer. Enjoy others' work, cheerlead for them, but don't, but don't neglect to create content yourself. Number 11. Be deliberate. 
Don't just let things happen around you. Make some plans. Live with purpose. There's still plenty of opportunity for spontaneity and fun, but be purposeful about how you spend your time. Be deliberate and think. Think about the decisions you are making now. Now, that was number 11. And I'm going to stick to what I said and not go any further, except, oh, wait, there's a bonus. So bear in mind, there's no number 12 or 13 or 14. These are not numbered. This is simply a bonus. So bonus A, look for the details. There's beauty all around you. Think of a set of twins. Before you know them, they look completely alike. After you get to know them, they look completely unique. The more you pay attention to something, to someone, to a situation, the more unique it will appear and the more you will appreciate those unique attributes. Bonus B. How versus why questions. Learn to intelligently ask both types. One type is about process, about execution, about craft. One is about concept, about ideas and motivation, about art. They are both important. Bonus C. If you're a competitive type of person, then you have essentially two roads you can take in any given situation. You can focus on being better than everyone, or you can focus on differentiating yourself from everyone, finding a unique way. Frequently, it's more fun, enjoyable, and productive to focus on a unique way of doing something rather than focusing on a better way than everyone else. Bonus D. Never ever use the word bored. Ever, 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 unless you are talking about coal mining or trying to describe a particularly unimaginative character in a story you're writing. Saying, I'm bored, is a reflection on you, your intelligence, your imagination, and your general ability to be an interesting Nobody can take away your imagination unless they're particularly skilled at frontal lobotomy surgery. And even then, I find that to be a weak excuse. Being bored is a ridiculous, lazy, unfortunate, sad, and poor choice you make. It is not an external factor that is forced upon you. You have the choice to think and imagine something that will help you not be bored or do nothing and be bored. Bonus E. Don't wait to be told what to do. If you don't know how to do something, ask someone. Ask Google. Figure it out. I am screaming now. Access to information is at your fingertips. Yes, that is a cliche phrase. I'm sorry, but it's true. Do not wait for someone to walk you through a process every single time. You have the intelligence and the ability to begin the quest yourself. Do not me. Do not be a thoughtless robot. Be confident in your ability to learn. Unlike past generations, it is not lack of access to information that is preventing you from doing anything. Be a why asker. Be a collector of ideas. Find patterns. Make meaning out of what's in front of you. Go be a creator, a producer. Go invent something. Go be fantastic. You are. I'm going to wrap up this episode with that, thanks for being here. See you next time. Joseph out. <laughs>